I have a friend, not here, not in this state, in another place, who has gotten into the practice of buying gold, physical gold, real gold. He's got a good bit of it laid up just in a cabinet in his house. And when he orders it, they send it to him just through regular mail, you know. And and so when I was there a good while back, I asked him, I said, are you not afraid to have all of this precious stuff right here in your house? And those delivery men who bring it in packages must surely know what it is. They know you're receiving these precious metals at your house and you have it here. It's not even in the safe. Aren't you afraid that they know it's here? That they'll break in and take it from you? He just sort of shrugged his shoulders. I sure hope nothing bad happens to him about that. But that, to me, seemed like a pretty scary situation. To have valuable stuff in your house and people know it. And then, and if they know it, then they may be looking for opportunity to come and take it. Right? That just seems common sense to me. Well, this reminds me... Let me get my Old Testament Bible out here. This reminds me of a Bible episode. And I imagine some of you are already racing ahead to think with me about this Bible episode in 2 Kings chapter 20. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 20. And I want to remind you, this was just recently in our daily Bible readings. I want to remind you about an episode in the life of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah had been very sick. Uh, remember uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah came to him and said, Set your house in order, you're going to die, you're not going to live. Hezekiah wept and prayed, and the Lord added 15 years to his life. Well, the story goes here in chapter 20 of 2 Kings uh, that uh, the king of Babylon sent ambassadors and gifts to Hezekiah uh, because that they knew he had been sick. And when they came, Hezekiah showed him everything he had. Look in 2 Kings 20, verse 12. At that time, Barodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the, house, all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Well, does that seem a little bit like letting people know you've got these valuable things here and maybe they would come and take it? Well, verse 14, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Hezekiah said, uh, excuse me, and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store to this day shall be carried unto Babylon. Nothing shall be left. And the fact of the matter is that came to pass, didn't it? We know that came to pass less than a hundred years later, or about a hundred years later, I suppose. Uh, Babylon did invade Judah, and they did take all those treasures away that these men had been shown in Hezekiah's house. Well, uh, our lesson is based upon that famous question that Isaiah asked of Hezekiah. What have they seen in thine house? 
Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't think that any of us have to worry that they're going to see gold and silver and precious things on the order of what was in Hezekiah's treasuries. I don't think that's what we're worried about. But it is a worthy question to think about the fact that others are observing us. They're not going to see in us great wealth. We're not great wealthy people. But they are observing us and they are seeing some things in our house. And we ought to be concerned about that. And we want to build our lesson around that concept tonight. Thank you all for being here tonight. Our crowd is down. As Lee already mentioned, I was doing some quick calculating in my head, and I'm able to count somewhere between 25 and 30 of our own members who are off traveling uh, this evening. And so our numbers are down a good bit. But we're glad you're here, and we look forward always to these times that we can be together. We thank you for being here uh, and appreciate you for coming back on Sunday night. Uh, as we study together, let's all think about making personal application of the things that we learn in the Word of God. That's the key, right? It's not just about talking about things that are in the Bible, but it is the commitment to put into practice the things that we find in the Word of God. And I hope that we all have a commitment to do that. We thank you for being here tonight, and a special thanks to our visitors. What have they seen in thy house? I want to start with something that is very easy and obvious. What have they seen in thy house? What have they seen in regards to the television programs and the entertainment that you engage in in your house? Now, I'll ask every one of us to be honest about this, and I think if you are ultimately honest, you would have to admit that there's not much of anything at all that's worth viewing on TV. There's not much there that a Christian should be watching. And when it comes to the movies that people view, you got to agree, hardly any, almost practically none of the movies that are being put out uh, are worthy to be seen by a Christian because it's, they simply contain things that a Christian shouldn't be seeing or thinking about. But I got to tell you, I frequently hear of Christians commending certain shows and programs and some movies, some that I know are by reputation, vulgar and wicked, uh, and that's bad. And I, we've talked about this before, but I just want to challenge us all as Christians. Think about that. Why are you watching that sort of stuff on TV, in the movies, or on the Internet? Why are you looking at that evil content? It's bad enough that Christians are doing that, but i tell you something that compounds how bad it is, and that is that others know that we're watching this stuff. Others know that Christians are, are partaking in that sort of filth. And they, they know of the compromise in the lives of these Christians and even the downright hypocrisy of condemning those things and then watching them for entertainment. What have they seen in thine house is the question. Are they seeing you not being true to your stated principles? when they know what kind of TV shows you watch, when they are aware of the kind of movies that you go to, when they know the kind of entertainment that you engage in, are you hurting not only yourself, but also the cause of Christ because of what they've seen in your house? You see the principle that we're talking about here? When we become Christians, there's to be a change that takes place in our lives. And it should be obvious to everyone around us. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 22, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. And so there's an old man that we're supposed to put off. And the old man would include uh, the, the part of us that enjoyed those worldly things. The old man of sin. Put that off. 
And he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's something to be put off, and there's something to put on. We put off the old man, we put on the new man. The new man is to be clothed in righteousness and holiness. That's the new man. And we need to be doing that. And it needs to be such that it's evident to the people around us. They're looking at us. They're looking into your house, so to speak. What do they see there? In Psalm 101, verse 3, the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Well, notice the first phrase here. I wonder why that thing is. Has that been that far out of focus the whole time? I haven't looked at it. Some of the kids have no doubt tampered with that after service. Let me straighten that up so we can see it. That look better? We'll do it that way. I want you to look at that statement. Now, I think that's a powerful verse. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. We need to make that commitment. You know, I've known of people who printed out that, that phrase and put it on a piece of paper and taped it on their computer monitor. That's not a bad thing to do. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. We need to make that commitment. Can you make that commitment? And then he explains why. He said, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. You know, maybe the reason why we are tempted to look at that sort of thing, and other people know that we're looking at that sort of thing, maybe the reason why is because we don't hate it like we should. We ought to despise all that sort of wickedness. But maybe we're too comfortable with it. Maybe we want to get as cozy to it, close up to it as we possibly can without in our mind crossing the line. I'll tell you, we're crossing the line. If we're looking at it and we're enjoying it, we're participating in it, what have they seen in thine house? That's the first question we want to ask. That's an obvious one, right? Uh, Everything we're going to say tonight is pretty obvious, and we're just stating this by way of encouragement to us all to be very careful about how we live our lives because our lives are on display. What have they seen in thine house? Have they seen in your house uh, bad attitudes, uh, lack of love, hatred rather than love, uh, uh, no real concern but rather indifference for others, no gratitude, really ingratitude, selfishness, Instead of selflessness, you know, the person who thinks it's all about me. This is all about me. Take care of me. Do they see in your house a, uh, a quick flare of temper, outburst of anger? Do they see or hear harsh words being spoken, maybe even curse words out of your mouth? Now again, as we said in the previous point, it's wrong if we're doing it. If we have those kinds of evil dispositions and attitudes in our heart, it's wrong already. And then it's compounded by the fact that if we're doing that sort of thing, others see it in our house. And, and we're, we're then uh, losing our power of influence for good over those kinds of people. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. I want you to notice there that that's not stated as an option. Those are commands, right? We absolutely have to get those things out of our hearts and away from our mouths. Put those things out of your mouth. Here's the goal we ought to be striving for, and this is the text that Arthur read for us earlier. 
here's the way it ought to be. This is what we ought to be striving for. And this is the example that we ought to be setting before others. Be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We strive to be like Christ was. And so, in that case, then we're going to do our very best to rid those bad attitudes, that lack of loving concern out of our house. People are watching. What are they seeing in your house? Are they seeing a, a true spiritual emphasis in your life and in the life of your family and your household? Do they see you really making a, an emphasis on spiritual things, things that will endure throughout all eternity? Or are they seeing materialism and covetousness and worldliness? You know, those are great challenges to us in the present world. We've talked about this so many times. We live in such a prosperous age that materialism and worldliness can really get a hold of us. And, and, and then it may make us chase after things that are contrary to what we ought to be striving for. We need to be careful. We need to make sure that in our homes there's a true spiritual emphasis. When people look into our homes, do they see that emphasis on God and spiritual things? Now, I think we all know the right answer to the question. What do people see when they look in your house? Are they seeing a spiritual emphasis or is your emphasis on the, the temporal, carnal, worldly things? Where's your emphasis? We know where the answer ought to be, right? We know the answer ought to be our emphasis is on God here. That's what they'll see when they look in our house. We know that's the right answer, but the question is, is it really the case? If we hardly in our homes and in our families, if we hardly ever speak of God, when we hardly ever mention His truth and His Word, then it's going to be hard to convince others, and certainly God knows already, that He is not at the center of our lives. Uh, if we can so much e more easily talk about other things and almost never talk about God and serving Him in the, in the comfortable confines of our homes, then there's something wrong. There's a lack of spiritual emphasis. We really need to make God the center of our lives. You want to know why this is important? In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice he contrasts being carnally minded. And what happens if you're carnally minded? That's death. If you want life and peace, to be spiritually minded is what is essential. What have they seen in thine house? Do they see that spiritual emphasis? I think we would all confess that we can do better in that regard. That they probably don't see that, that those who are looking in that what's going on in our lives, probably not seeing as much as that as they should. We can do better, and we ought to work harder at that. Here's a specific application of that idea of spiritual emphasis in life. Do they see us engaged in Bible study or in prayer? Would they ever see that in your house? Would they ever see you sitting down or maybe sitting down with your family and spending time in Bible study? Would they ever observe prayers being done in your house. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, you'll find in other versions that this word study here is translated something like give diligence or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. We understand that the passage is talking about just diligence in all matters. But I think the verse does go on when it talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. The verse goes on to say part of that diligence, part of that study would be of the word, right? We've got to give diligence. We've got to study. We've got to apply ourselves to be good students of the Word. I don't think that's the exclusive message of that verse, but I think it's included in that verse. Uh, we need to study. You know, we are always encouraging the participation in the daily Bible readings. And every year, for how many years, Arthur? The end of this year, we will have finished 15 years. At the end of this year, we'll finish 15 years of daily Bible reading calendars. Uh, I confess to you, I didn't make it all the way through all of those 15 years, but I try. And, and I'm on track this year, so I hope I make it. Why do we keep doing that? Now oh, you've read it before. Oh, it's the same old stuff over and over again. No. Uh, all of us have mentioned, and I've heard you mention it, and I feel the same way. When you go through that again, you see something you didn't see before. You always learn more. And even in the passages that you are familiar with, you're encouraged and built up. We need to spend time in Bible study. Certainly we should spend time in prayer. We just concluded a study of prayer on Sunday evenings. So I won't spend a lot of time talking about that, but just remind you of this passage that we did study recently. 1 Timothy 2, beginning verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in, the, in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Be busy in prayer. We, again, we've just talked several weeks about the importance of prayer, so we'll, we won't stress that. Uh, we won't spend any more time stressing that, but just ask the question, would people see that in your house? Is it such a common thing, for instance, when you sit down around the table with your family and your children, that they know we're not going to get started here now until we spend a minute in prayer? That they're aware that the meal does not start until we pray. Is that so common in your family that the kids would say, wait a minute, we haven't prayed yet. If not, we need to get that practice firmly grounded in our, in, in our homes and in our families. What, what have they seen in your house? Have they seen Bible study and prayer? Have they seen the careful training of children in your home? You know, you don't have to look very far to realize that the vast majority of kids these days are growing up without any spiritual training, no moral instruction. I mean, that's just, that's just grossly obvious. Um, and it's a sad thing, and it does not bode well for the future of our nation or our own community, for that matter, when, when children are not being instructed in the ways of God. What would people see in your house? And we're talking here especially to those of you who have children in your homes. Uh, do they see you spending time carefully, consciously spending time teaching and training and disciplining your children in the ways that they should go? They ought to. It's so important. Remember the famous statement of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children, and, sh and shalt talk of them 
when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Moses specifically said they ought to see that in your house. You ought to be talking with your children about these important laws of God. Now, we live under a different dispensation, we know, and the laws are not for us are not the same as those that Moses was talking about right there. He was talking about that law of Moses. But a principle comes out of that that suggests we ought to be spending time consciously, regularly, instructing our children in the ways of God. Would people see that if they were able to look into your house and see what's going on there? We've always been impressed by the young man Timothy in the New Testament. Uh, He seemed to be such an exemplary young Christian. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 14, Continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And notice that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had been instructed from a child. What do you think? Why do you think he turned out to be such a great young man that he was? Because he had received that kind of instruction. In fact, in the pre, in a previous chapter there, in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelled first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. He, Paul gave credit. He had known godly things and the scriptures from his childhood. And Paul gave credit to his mother and his grandmother for having spent the time to give him that instruction. In that household, if you had looked in there, you would have seen the spiritual training of children. And that's what needs to be the case with us. Now, I want to tell you, I think for those of you who are parents, it gets harder and harder because out there in the world, it's not happening. And therefore, the the kids that our kids may associate with have not had that moral training and instruction. You're going to have to be even more on your toes. You're going to have to be wide awake. You're going to have to have your eyes open and, as they sometimes say, eyes in the back of your head. You're going to have to be watching constantly because the the kids of this world are not being taught. They're not being trained. And they'll be an evil influence on our kids if we're not careful. Would they see the training of children in your home? Well, again, when the ambassadors from Babylon came... Hezekiah showed him everything. And Isaiah said, whoa, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah said, well, they've seen it all. They've seen everything I've got. And Isaiah said, well, there's a day coming when they'll come and take it all away. But the principle of the question is what we're keying in on. What have they seen in your house? They haven't seen, they haven't seen the wealth of Hezekiah in our house. That's just not, that's not, we're not going to be able to achieve that, not even close. But they are seeing things in our house. People are looking. People are watching. They're observing us. You may not think so, but they are. And we need to think about what they're seeing. In our unguarded moments, what are they observing in us? I think I told you the story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it's so funny. A number of years ago, uh, Sarah was still at home, and Sarah and Cindy wanted porch furniture on the on the front porch of our house. I didn't want porch furniture. That's just something else to keep up. I don't want no porch furniture. Well, they finally kept after me until we bought some, you know. And so uh, we're out on the front porch rearranging the furniture, setting it here, setting it there. How does it? And we'd, we'd moved it two or three times, and Cindy said, I just feel, 
I just feel like the neighbors are watching us and thinking we're crazy, all this furniture arranging out here. They're not watching, they're not watching. And about that time, we moved the furniture to another location on the porch, and the lady across the street actually opened her front door and yelled, I like it that way! (laughs) She had been watching us. And I thought that just illustrated the point. People are watching. People are watching. We gotta be right for ourselves. But we gotta be right because other people are watching us too. And that's gonna be a key to whether we're able to influence them for good. People are watching. Finally, let me suggest one last, you could, and man, you could keep this list going and going, couldn't you? I'm gonna mention one more thing and we'll be done, but what about just the simple, something as simple as faithful attendance to the worship services? Uh, this is really simple. But you know, you've probably heard some stories uh, over time where someone who had such a regular practice of attending worship services, you know, the stories, are, they come up every so often. This person, this, this man, for instance, elderly man, he was always at the worship services. He never, ever missed the worship services. And suddenly, one day, he wasn't there. Well, the fact that he wasn't there threw red flags up all over the place. Everybody knew there must be something wrong because if there wasn't something wrong, he'd be here. And they checked and he had fallen seriously ill and and they were able to save his life. But it wouldn't have happened if he didn't have that regular, established practice of attending the worship services. It saved his life in that case, uh, we could say. What about you? Uh, Is your attendance so spotty that when you're not here... People just sort of say, well, he's not here a lot. He misses a lot. They don't, they don't think, whoa, wait a minute, something's wrong. We better go check on him because he must be sick or he'd be here. You see the difference? What do they see in your house? Just about something like attendance. What do your, what would your neighbors say? Yeah, uh, do your neighbors see you in a regular routine leaving to go to worship services? Would they think it odd if they saw you staying home on Sunday? What about your, your friends, you know? You've got friends coming over on Sunday afternoon. Do they know your practice well enough to know that when it comes time to go to services on Sunday evening, you'll be going? And and you, you'll you invite them to go too, but if they're not going, you can say, well, make yourself at home because we'll be back later, but we're going to services. Do they know you to have that sort of a reputation about faithful attendance? What about the people who work with you on the job? Do they know that you're not going to let Work activities interfere with your regular attendance at services. They know not to schedule things that might cause you to have to miss assemblies because that's not your practice. You know, I think a lot of times if we stand up for ourselves about our need to worship regularly and faithfully at all the assemblies, people will work with us about it. I've told you young people before, and I'll reiterate to you. If you've got a job and they're trying to schedule you to work during service times, tell them no. But now you've got to be consistent. You've got to be, if they see you're going to be inconsistent about that, they're not going to respect you. But if you'll consistently say, I can't work on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, but I'll work any other time because I go to church on Sunday morning. I go to church on Sunday night. I go to church on Wednesday night. And then if they know for a fact that you follow through and you do that, they'll respect you for that and they'll work with you on that. I think the vast majority of fast food managers, for instance, would work with you on that. And i got to believe that, that a fast food, if you told a fast food manager, 
I can't work during worship times on Sunday, and I can't work Wednesday night, but if, and if, but if you'll help me with my schedule, I'll work any Friday night and any Saturday night you want if you'll let me have service times off. I want to tell you, I believe every fast food manager would jump up and down for an opportunity like that. And he'll work with you, or she'll work with you in making that happen. But you gotta let your, you gotta let your commitment be known. What are we saying here? What do they see in your house? What do they see in your house? That's the question. You know the verses. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. The real question is, Matthew 6.33, are you putting the kingdom of God first? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, as I said, I think you could expand that list almost indefinitely, and keep asking questions. What about this? What about that? Concerning things that we ought to be doing as Christians. This is just a sampling. I want you to really key in on the principle. And the principle is people are looking at you. They're looking into your house. And they're seeing something there. What are they seeing when they look into your house? Think about it. Give careful consideration to it. I think it's really important for us all. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. Our lesson's been directed tonight toward those of us who are already Christians. We'll speak to you first off here by way of invitation. If you're a Christian, but you've fallen back and you haven't been faithfully serving your Lord, come back in repentance, confession, prayer. It's the most important thing that you can and should be doing. Don't let anything keep you uh, apart from your God. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If you're not yet a Christian, uh, but you understand the simple gospel plan of salvation and are ready to obey it, we're ready to assist you. If you need more study, say so. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing this song.